Hi, and welcome to Will and Amala Live. Again, we, we don't have Will here. He is on his book tour. But you know what? I got to give a shout out to Taylor. He has been so great on the show, really holding down the fort while Will's been gone. He's just really been great. Um, Excuse me. Um, yes? Those aren't my pronouns. You said the wrong pronouns. What do you mean I said the wrong pronouns? You, those aren't my pronouns. What are your pronouns? I shouldn't have to tell you what my pronouns are. You should just know. It's obvious. Well, I thought I did know, which is why I called you he. I, you you can did tell call me. me he. You made an assumption, and you were wrong. And I am triggered and offended. Okay, so I, I'm. I don't. I don't. I'm sorry. Fix my assumption. What What are your pronouns? I shouldn't have to do the work to educate you. You should educate yourself. Also, you should be fired. But you're altering reality and you want me to just go along with... This is crazy. I'm going on social media right now and getting a mob to come after you for your job because you used the wrong pronouns for me. So let's see. Racist, bigot, uh, what? sexist, what do you mean racist? Epinobi, just, What are you talking totally about? Totally using the wrong pronouns <laughs> and not knowing the right stuff to do. And she's a total bigot and she should be fired. Right, guys? Pile on her. CNN. Retweet. Is this real? Are you real? Um, the fire and fury against you is about to be real. <laughs> and scene. You know what? It's honestly, it's all too real. It's all too real. And we're going to start off with this video off of TikTok, of course, because any piece of atrocious social media is probably going to be from TikTok. Here's the video of, of this young man being berated. Why does it matter? Oh, it doesn't matter to you. I'm so. I mean, but to me, I'm a male. Okay? Okay. So, what are you? So I can call you a sir or ma'am. What are you? What would you assume looking at me? What are you? What would you assume looking at me? I assume that you're a man. Okay? Okay? Thank you. Whatever. What? I, what? I, I don't understand. Why okay. does it... Oh, gosh. It's playing again. Stop, please. Please stop. <laughs> oh, there's just so many things wrong about this video. It's funny. They're both recording each other because they're both thinking like this is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it's just a, that's a sad statement on society. Like we all need to wear body cams just so we have evidence to support whenever right. we have a grievance to file against somebody else. Well, look what they did to me. See, I have it on camera. It's like. It's so weird now that everyone's always got their cameras out in every situation as soon as something happens so they can post it to social media and make a big deal out of it. I stuff. know. It's weird. We're, we're just so connected. But it's so strange. He's saying, you know, tell me what you are and I will refer to you as such. He did say that. Tell me, are you sir or ma'am so that I know what to call you? And this person refuses. Do you have that tweet pulled out? This same person, I think, um, tweeted one. This their video has 1.1 million views and it's on our doc. 1.1 million views and countless trans people commenting and confirming this is discrimination or transphobia, and not one word from Sonic Drive-In. All I want is for them to hire a trans-led organization to train every single employee on how to properly affirm us. Yep, here's the tweet in case you are questioning whether or not that's legitimate. There it is. Eden Torres wants wants to be affirmed by Sonic. So they, they, they're now demand because of this interaction that you just saw, where I guess this guy took a wrong guess at what gender this person was, and now all of Sonic needs to have a gender theorist come in and that's led by trans people to train people how to be more sensitive. Because clearly the this minimum wage employee is a direct representative of Sonic, uh, of Sonic's corporate, you know, corporate hierarchy. Clearly. 
What what else would this young oh, man look be? Below too, Sonic. It looks like Sonic uh, made a reply. I didn't, I didn't oh, see that yet. Oh gosh, Sonic responded. Oh gosh, Eden. We have a strict anti-discrimination policy and take this very seriously. We launched an immediate investigation into the incident, and we have reached out to you via TikTok to gather more information needed to complete the investigation. Please feel free to DM us here. We launched a full investigation into this. It's all on video. He literally asked this person what they want to be called and they right. would, the person would not tell them. No, no, they wouldn't. And and to think that a keyboard warrior can hop on Twitter, make a statement like this at Sonic, a very large, a large company <laughs> and, and get a response from them. This is amazing. It's sort of reminiscent of, uh, what happened with Michael Knowles. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Daily Wire host and Michael Knowles, but I'm sure a lot of you are. Michael Knowles was sponsored by Harry's Razors. And one person on Twitter with like two followers came out and tweeted at Harry's Razors, how dare you sponsor this bigot? I need you to release a statement on this and blah, blah, blah. And because a person with two followers on Twitter said that, Harry's dropped Michael Knowles as a sponsor. It's, these companies are so afraid of coming under the coming into the target of the woke mob they're so afraid of it that they will kowtow and and bow and beg forgiveness at the slightest um hint of outrage and to be fair like i think people people who are reasonable and normal see this type of stuff and they're like well i don't want to deal with these woke people so they're quiet when stuff mm -hmm. like this happens and i think that's part of the problem of why why um, radical ideologues who are pushing the distortion of reality um, are so emboldened is because they're not used to getting pushback from um, just everyday people who are like, you guys are crazy. And, and it's it's become politically incorrect to say, oh, well, this is insanity. The, the facts don't support this ideology. Um, or I'm going to stand up and defend it. It's become mm -hmm. easier to just be like, take a, take a back seat and be like, oh, wow, isn't that crazy? Um, but that's why, you know, People comment like, oh, you guys are so triggered by incidences like this. And it's not that we're triggered. It's that we're, I like uh, Colin Wright's blog's name, it's reality's last stand. Right. Um, this stuff is under assault and the more, this is becoming normalized. And you just being a free thinking person who has common sense is is very quickly becoming a criminal offense um, and you, a cancelable offense, a fireable offense. And that's not the world I want to live in. And it's important to stand up against it. Exactly. These small, short-length videos speak to a much larger truth. That is the problem. And that's why we give commentary on them. It's not because we're particularly upset about this debacle between two people in a sonic drive through <laughs> It's because it speaks to a larger cultural shift that is happening right now in America. And it's affecting adults like this, and it's affecting young people. And if you don't see the scope of this issue... Oh, we're going to get into the scope of this issue. This is from Barry Weiss's Substack. This is an article written by Abigail Schreier. We're not going to get into the entire article for reasons that I will explain later. But here's the here's the title. Top trans doctors blow the whistle on sloppy care. In exclusive interviews, two prominent providers sound off on puberty blockers, affirmative care, the inhibition of sexual pleasure, and the suppression of dissent in their field. Abigail Schreier is a name that you may recognize. She wrote a book called Irreversible Damage. She also has a PragerU video with us called Why uh, Boys Become Girls, is it, or is it Why Girls Become Boys? When girls Become Boys. Why Girls Become Boys. I'll post uh, the link in the chat. Yes, we will put it down below so that you can hear more from Abigail. But she's been one of the front runners when it comes to talking about transgenderism, speaking out against it, 
particularly uh, with its influence in regard to young people here in America. Now, here's what she writes. For nearly a decade, the vanguard of the transgender rights movement, doctors, activists, celebrities, and transgender influencers has defined the the boundaries of the new orthodoxy surrounding transgender medical care. What's true, what's false, which questions can and cannot be asked. Now, really, really think about that. The transgender rights movement is being defined by doctors. That's plausible, that's good, I, I, I agree with that. Activists, absolutely not. Celebrities, absolutely not. And transgender influencers, they're the ones who are dictating the terms that we function on when it comes to the transgender movement in America. And who is being affected by these terms? Young people. So for a very long time, I've heard this, I'm sure you've heard this, they've told us that children getting puberty blockers is fully reversible. It's totally okay if your child right now is a girl who thinks she's a boy, put her on those puberty blockers and, and she'll be fine. It's reversible if she changes her mind. Same thing going, going vice versa with boys who want to transition to be girls. Both, both physically and psychologically, right? Right, right. Both physically and psychologically. It's reversible. Don't you worry. Allow your kid to speak their truth and, and you place onus on that truth and allow it to come to fruition. Turns out, that is really not the case. So over the past few weeks, uh, Abigail writes, I've spoken at length to both women about the current direction of their field. The two women that she's referring to are, are listed in the article. They are two uh, doctors, leading doctors in the transgenderism field. Dr. Marcy Bowers here and Dr. Erica Anderson, who is also a clinical psychologist. Now, it turns out they don't believe that puberty blockers are fully reversible. Did you mention, by the way, that both of these doctors are trans? Yes, both of these doctors, yeah, I should mention, they are transgender women talking about this issue with uh, none other than Abigail Schreier. Now, when Abigail asked Anderson if she believes that psychological effects of puberty blockers are reversible, she said, I'm not sure. <laughs> Amazing, I'm not sure. When asked whether children in the early stages of puberty should be put on blockers, Bowers, the other doctor said, I'm not a fan. Yeah, so these are trans doctors mm -hmm. who are expressing doubts about the safety of what is orthodox or normal treatment, what is considered normal treatment of trans children or the things that the, the uh, association of whatever the association was called mm -hmm. that they advocate for um, that has become the standard of care for tra trans children. Uh, they're saying, we're not sure that these are safe. We're not sure yep. that these effects are reversible as the organization claims. So they and these are trans doctors themselves who, who are saying, expressing doubt about these treatments. Yeah, for your own research purposes, it's called the World Professional Association for Transgender Health. And they are seen as sort of the paragon of, of transgender health guidelines, putting these out to the general public. And a lot of it has been falsified. Now, I'm gonna keep getting into this article. It goes very much in depth into this issue, and I think it's worth a read. Now, Abigail writes, when I asked Bowers if she thought that puberty blockers were a good idea from a surgical perspective, she said, quote, this is typical of medicine. We zig and then we zag. And I think maybe we zigged a little too far left in some cases. Oh my gosh. The left, was that um, an intentional metaphor? Yeah, was that, or was that, right, was that a Freudian uh, slip? I think probably. I, I think, I, I was reading this and I thought, you know what, I think that was a Freudian slip. She didn't mean like far out in left field, she meant far out in left politics. Uh, and that seems to be the case. To 
talk about how it's typical of medicine that we zigzag on whether or not we give children puberty blockers is ridiculous. And it should not be the case when it comes to medicine. Medicine, you should try your best to be tried and true in the studies that you've conducted regarding the research uh, and the treatment that you want to take out on your patients. And we know that this has not been thoroughly researched whatsoever. And when it has been thoroughly researched, the results are not good. Yeah, what was it that you said right before the show? We, the This type of treatment of puberty blocking really only traces back to the 90s? Yes, yes. And she expresses that. Let me find it in this article here. Uh, she expresses that the, the treatment of puberty blockers goes back to the Netherlands. Here it is. The widespread use of puberty blockers can be traced to the Netherlands in the mid-1990s. <laughs> Very firm science. We have oh, a big track gosh. record of knowing what happens to people who go through this stuff. Yeah, uh, uh, I just can't. I don't. I don't know what to even even say at this point. I was at a a donor event yesterday uh, with a one Michael Schellenberger. Uh, you may know him from the work that he's done on climate change and being an advocate for nuclear, as well as his new book uh, San Francisco, where he talks about the homelessness problem uh, in regard to San Francisco. But he spoke about his kids and how. His, his daughter came home one day and said, you know, there's this kid in school and she's saying she's trans and she's talking about being put on puberty blockers. This is a reality. It is a, it is a harsh reality. And it's a reality that we do not have a scientific consensus on. And if anything, the scientific consensus right now is pushing towards this being a horrible, horrible idea. Yet it continues to happen through the vein of activism, not science, not health, not wellness, not preventing people from, from mental illness and suicide and keeping people from harming themselves, it's happening through the vein of activism. Yeah, and if you take a step back at this whole and look at this whole situation, your common sense will tell you that, you know, a young child, a child expresses some sort of, mm -hmm. you know, doubt about their their gender or whatever. And it common sense would tell you, well, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to go ahead and castrate them mm -hmm. or 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 maybe that's not the most medically appropriate step to take. Um, maybe that, like, I, don't know, I was about to use the word butchering, but may, yeah. but honestly, like, um, the, it's it's so. It, how do we get here to? And, and I think you're you're hitting the nail on the head. Is that this is this is a case of where ideology and the um, the need to push ideology, even at the expense of children's health, um, has become more important. Um, than than actually helping children and actually you know helping kids deal with their their develop psychologically mm -hmm. to figure out what is the most appropriate path for you to grow up and figure out your your life and your identity we just jumped to the conclusion that ha performing surgeries on you and giving you treatments that suppress your naturally occurring puberty is better on on the basis of of what exactly yes so and. I want to encourage you guys to truly, truly look into this issue. It is extremely, extremely pervasive. And talking about how quickly the treatment can occur, I want you guys to go and look at a, a segment that we did on this show uh, where 60 Minutes went over detransitioning stories. Uh, particularly amongst children's and children and teens. And one teen expressed that after uh, expressing gender dysphoria to a doctor, it took two months to start being on puberty blockers. Two months! 
for a teenager with an undeveloped brain to be put on puberty blockers after expressing sentiments of gender dysphoria. And for those of you, I'm sure there's some people on the left who watch this show every now and then to to criticize us or just to hear what we have to say. Uh, A lot of people will say, well, it's just puberty blockers. It's just going to affect your sex hormones. Like, whatever. It's not a big deal. And, And from what I've heard, it's reversible. Let's look at the original studies and research done in the 1990s on puberty blockers. Now, Cohen Katenis later grew doubtful about the initial assessment. It is not clear yet how uh, pubertal suppression will influence brain development. She wrote in the European Journal of Endocrinology in 2006, puberty is not merely a biochemical development. It is also a psychosocial event that occurs in concert with one's peers. Dr. Williams Malone, an endocrinologist and member of the Society of Evidence-Based gender medicine told me hormones do not merely stimulate sex organs during puberty they also shower the brain so imagine what you're doing to a young well well jazz jennings who who is a very famous transgender woman who is now 20 years old started puberty blockers when she was 11 years old uh imagine what has happened to the brain of that young child an 11 year old child once you've given them puberty blockers i can't imagine and neither can scientists because they don't know. <laughs> exactly, they don't. And another interesting piece of this is um, we found out about this story through uh, someone named Caitlin Flanagan, who's a writer for The Atlantic, which is a very well-respected publication. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, on the left. But right. she said that this is a huge story that the New York Times could have helped break earlier this year. It refused, saying this information fell outside our coverage priorities. Yeah. And so it's, it's just here are trans doctors who are themselves expressing doubts about um, how good it is for trans children to receive puberty blockers and these surgeries at a young age. And because it, it this is a valid medical concern, it's a valid concern for the well-being of trans youth. Mm-hmm. And the New York Times is like, oh, well, it doesn't go, it doesn't follow the narrative that we want to push. It's going to get us in hot water with the trans activist groups that we are in cahoots with. And mm-hmm. so we're just not going to cover this situation. Yep. I will make one final point before we move on to another story that has to do with transgenderism. Again, a very extremely gro- a growing issue here in America. The, the last point that I want to make, and I make it every time we talk about this issue, because I feel like you cannot talk about this issue without making this point. Transgender people in America, although one of the smallest uh, portions of our society in terms of population have one of the highest rates of suicidal ideation and this has been studied in long-term studies almost longer than puberty blockers have been studied uh one coming out of sweden that lasted over 30 years where they followed people who identified as transgender suicidal ideation rates among transgender people did not change not after Uh, people who chose not to get sex surgery, not after people who chose to be on puberty blockers, not after people who chose to go through the full puberty block and hormone replacement therapy and sexual reassignment surgery. The suicidal ideation, the rates of attempted suicide, the rates of uh, successful suicide did not change no matter what stage of treatment they were in. Now, what that says to me is we are providing people with gender dysphoria who identify as transgender with the wrong treatment. And we should be looking into other avenues instead of acting like progressive activists and saying that we just need to accept everybody for their truth. Because what you are doing is harming people. When you meet a 15 year old kid and you say, "Okay, well, after two months, I'm going to allow you to go through sex reassignment surgery and puberty blockers and all this fun stuff. You are hurting them. You are not doing something good for them. And that's something that people need to acknowledge. And it's okay to admit, oh, I was wrong about that. 
Yeah, you know? as, as seems to be the case with a lot of leftist prescriptions on issues of public interest, um, there are the overlooked victims are the people themselves that they're claiming to help. Yep. And in this case, the trans youth who do suffer from, you know, they and they always claim, well, you, like, we're, we're the bad guys for resisting this ideology, the, the pro- proliferation of this ideology. Mm-hmm. We are the ones causing the problems and they'll cite the statistics of suicidality among trans right. people as uh, evidence of us being wrong. But the reality is it's, it's evidence against their own ideology and how it doesn't work and puts these people in more mental distress and give, and, and accelerates depression and gives them an unlivable, uh, very unhealthy tr- uh, their very existence becomes at odds with reality itself sure. and you're you're pushing them and affirming them um, without any breaks whatsoever mm-hmm. without regardless of science regardless of facts regardless of evidence to the contrary you're pushing them further and further down this rabbit hole and then before they know it they've had surgery and permanently altered their bodies and never really had a chance to even process this decision on their own because they've been shoved down this path by you and so right Really, I would say they're the the one the people who are aggressively pushing trans ideology and ignoring the science and suppressing science that would say it's to the contrary. You're the ones that are victimizing these trans youth, not people who criticize it. And victimizing the trans youth who do go through surgery and decide to detransition, you victimize them as well because you silence them. You wipe their stories off the internet. You refuse mm-hmm. to talk about those stories, and people refuse to report on them. And how crazy is that? That somebody who once identified as transgender and says, "You know what? I no longer do that. I no longer believe that." their story gets silenced. Are they not part of that marginalized group? Were they not once part of your marginalized group? But you don't care now, do you? Because it doesn't affirm your ideology. And and speaking of lies that get spoken enough to become truth, we go even further with this. I'm sure uh, many of you are familiar with a website by the name of healthline.com. It's a lot, uh, it's a website that a lot of people go to for medical information. It's sort of like a, a WebMD of sorts. If I was having symptoms and I Googled it, Healthline would probably be one of the top contenders when it came to Google search results. Now, here's a tweet from Ben Shapiro. Uh, This is Healthline. This is a screenshot. Can men get pregnant? Question mark. Is it possible? Yes, it's possible for men to become pregnant and give birth to children of their own. In fact, it's probably a lot more common than you might think. In order to explain, we'll need to break down some common misconceptions about how we understand the term man. (laughs) Well, golly. Uh, How did I miss this? Gee, gee willikers. My whole life, I just, like some sort of ignorant bigot, I just thought that women give birth. Right, right. Because I, I, you know, the feminists used to claim that as part of their womanhood. They used to say, well, we're the ones who give birth. This is something that we go through. This is something that is unique to the female experience. Where are the feminists now that we're saying that men can get pregnant? Do we have any unique feminine experiences? Do we even have womanhood anymore? Or is it what a misconception about how we understand the term as as Healthline would write? I don't know. And this is, I mean, they play these these language games and, and they think that they're doing good by, you know, oh, we're, we're making language more inclusive. We're, we're changing what the, the word man even means and what the word woman really, really means. Mm-hmm. But you're not improving language. Language is only useful in as much as it describes truth and describes reality and assigns meaning to like words are only useful in as much as and as much as they mean something mm-hmm. that is true and, and corresponds to reality. Right. And by by changing the meaning of words on the whim to, to make it better fit your ideology, you're actually robbing language of, it, of, of its purpose, which is to convey meaning. 
and you're 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 distorting it and you're making it convey less meaning or you you're you're making it less useful in yep. it as a tool in describing reality yeah men cannot get pregnant i know it's a hot take for a, for a lot of you out there listening men cannot will not do not and should not get pregnant <laughs> And you, that will get you banned from social media forever. It is, it really, really will. I'm, will this episode last? Will it, will it last on on the platform that is YouTube? Possibly. Uh, the probability is 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 there. I, I'm assuming, but yeah, no, men can't get pregnant, and I stand by that. And I, you know, and if you, a lot of conservatives want to say, okay, well, let's just, it's okay, it's fine, it's fine. I I don't believe that in my personal life, but if you believe that in your personal life, that's totally fine. And there is some basis for that argument, but don't allow people to compel your speech. Don't allow people to go and change the word woman to birthing person and make the word man subjective to, to somehow say that I could identify as a man. Yeah, I mean, the the whole idea of, of liberty is you're free to believe whatever you want to believe, but yes. you're not free to um, impose mm -hmm. your view of what the truth is to the con even when, when it, especially when it contradicts basic common sense and um, all evidence to the contrary. Uh, exactly, you're not allowed to impose that on me. Uh, that that defies liberty. You, you we need a shit like liberalism gives us a shared set of values which me which. Um, require us to look at the truth, to look at evidence, to look at, to use our reason. And the, all those things uh, fly in the face of the ideology that they're trying to impose on us. So um, you're free to believe crazy things if you want, but you're not free to make me pay lip service to them or pretend that uh, the world that you live in is the real one because it's not. Right. And here's where we prove that to be true because we have us uh, another crazy person trying to spout crazy ideology. You've heard his name before. His name is Ibram X. Kendi, although that's not his real name. That's just his stage Henry name. Henry Rogers. Henry Rogers. <laughs> but uh, who, go, who goes by Ibram X. Kendi? Because I'm sure that sounds more ethnic and it sounds much more powerful when you're trying to lead a racialized movement. Amala X. Epinobi. Yeah, Amala X. Epinobi. That's I'm going to change my name. Uh, it's happening right now. It's I'm, I'm going to go to the court and get my now name you're, changed. Now you're a philosopher. <laughs> now I'm a philosopher. Now I'm a critical race theorist. <laughs> now, Ibram X. Kendi had some interesting statements to make. I'm going to read the top of this tweet here. Uh, Ibram Kendi, speaking in Manhattan Church, says anti-racist fundamentally reject savior theology. The Christian is to go out and save these individuals who are behaviorally deficient and embrace liberation theology. The Christian is to revolutionize society. Let's listen. Liberation theology. In other words, Jesus was a revolutionary. <laughs> and the job of the Christian is to revolutionize society. That the job of the Christian is to liberate society from the powers on, on earth that are oppressing humanity. Everybody understand that? So that's liberation theology in a nutshell. Savior theology is a different type of theology. The job of the Christian is to go out and save these individuals who are behaviorally deficient. In other words, we're to bring them into the church, these individuals who are doing all of these evil, sinful things and heal them and save them. And then once we've saved them, we've done our jobs. And, and to me, anti-racists fundamentally reject savior theology. That goes 
right in line with racist ideas and racist theology in which they say, you know what, black people, other racial groups, the reason why they're struggling on earth is because of what they're behaviorally doing wrong. And it is my job as the pastor to sort of save these wayward black people or wayward poor people or, or wayward queer people. That type of theology breeds bigotry. And, and so to me, the type of theology, of liberation theology, breeds a common humanity, a common humanity against the structures of, of power that, that oppress us all. Oh, goodness. Okay, Taylor, <laughs> I'm gonna kick it to you first because out of all of us, you are, you are the theo theologian of the bunch. Uh, I mean, that's a very relative. Uh, framing well in your experience in uh. your experience you definitely have the most theological experience of us i'm gonna i'm gonna attack this from uh you know a left versus right ideological perspective i want to hear your your theological <laughs> well takes. i first of first off there is like the idea of liberation theology versus savior theology is itself mm -hmm. it's a it's a framing that he's come up with on his own mm -hmm. there's just theology there's just what scripture teaches and what Christianity teaches. There's not this, this, this is a false dichotomy that he's setting up in the first place. Secondly, this idea of liberation theology harkens back to the Marxist idea of liberation, mm -hmm. which is the idea that uh, the system of capitalism is what is this oppressive system and the workers will only be freed when they usurp capitalism and destroy it and mm -hmm. he's taking that idea of liberation from capitalism and extending it to uh the, the the christian's mandate is to throw off the fetters of you know white supremacist western civilization and uh the, the modern christian's uh mandate is to undo and be liberated from um this white whiteness and he's so basically he's conflating uh jesus's uh like what jesus brought was revolutionary um well it, it and it remains revolutionary but not revolutionary in the sense of overthrowing government he he explicitly said he didn't come to, to overthrow mm -hmm. government he he came to uh fulfill the law and to show us god's essentially god's way and um anyway so this whole idea of of liberation the, the thing that jesus came to liberate us from was the power of sin and not and so he's conflating the power of the structures of society and like systemic racism he's saying jesus came to undo the power of systemic racism he came mm -hmm. to undo the power of the patriarchy things like that is what he's referring to in terms of liberation but what, what jesus actually came to do is to free us from the power of sin and here's here's where that gets turned upside down he's taking yep. a, a collectivist marxist lens to it whereas um Christ, you stand before God as an individual mm -hmm. and you are accountable for your life as an individual. Right. And so, um, and God came to, like you, God, the, you must repent of your own sin mm -hmm. and embrace Jesus's power over your sin mm -hmm. in your own life. And that is, that's what God, uh, Jesus came to do is to empower you over sin. And even, uh, again, in uh, in Galatians three, I love this this verse. It says, "In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, and neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus." What is that? Race, uh, Jew nor Greek, class, slave nor free, and gender, male nor female. Yep. A Christian, an authentic biblical Christian framing rejects all these these categories and and emphasizes the unity that we have as individuals united around. Um, what we share in Christ and rather than um, making everything about 
these categories and fighting for certain groups or expressing ourselves to certain groups or um, fighting the patriarchy that oppresses right. certain groups. It's all it's very much more individualistic. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong as the as the resident agnostic here at PragerU. Uh, all people are sinners. Jesus doesn't come down and just uh, just say, you know, black, brown, queer people, as Ibram X. Kendi says in this video, uh, you guys need to be absolved of your sins and you guys need to be saved from your sins. It's it's a nature. It's human nature. It's the human condition that we, we are all born uh, into sin. So I don't know why he would say something like that. It yeah. amazes me. And he speaks out. So let's let's attack this from. Uh, not even a religious perspective, but just the ideological assertions that he makes here. He says, you know what? I'm I'm anti-savior theology is what he says. I'm anti-savior. I'm anti that people need to be saved from their lowly, wayward being in life. Is that not what you purport in critical race theory? That black and brown people are held back by their race in this nation and that they need to be helped? That white people need to give up their privilege and, and act as saviors to black people? Is that not what happens in critical race theory in equity and affinity groups and affirmative action? That's exactly what you advocate for. So how are you anti-savior when you are actively calling on white people to become anti-racist and to give up their privilege and their position and their hierarchy their perceived hierarchy to black people for no other reason than them being black i don't like it <laughs> i don't like it either i don't like it that sounds exactly does that not i mean you tell me if i'm wrong but that sounds like a savior complex to me yeah i mean in ibram kendi's world and this is the world of all the, the critical race theorists and all marxists for that matter the, you're, the only way to redeem yourself is to give up yourself in for the, the cause of the revolution and yeah. for the cause of the movement. And the more loyal you are, the more you sacrifice for the cause of the revolution. I mean, it's the same. Look at Stalinist uh, uh, Soviet Union. is like every, you give up yourself and you set, you're expected to sacrifice everything for uh, this cause. And that's how you are redeemed. And that, that has nothing to do with... Uh, with Christianity and the, the way that you're redeemed under Christianity is by accepting the sacrifice that Christ made on your behalf for your sin and uh, you receive his power over sin and and receive his forgiveness uh, through what he did and and that's that's your path to uh, forgiveness and redemption and you do that as an individual and then you become part of the family of God where all the where your shared that you're in the family of God and that, that what you share in Christ supersedes mm. any other category or any other cause. And so, uh, anyway, this is a really stupid attempt to try to conflate Mark, basically Marxist ideology with Christianity and, uh, we see right through it, Ibram. Yeah, he tries wherever he can. Now we're going to move on to another story because Ibram X. Kendi gets to speak uh, all over the United States. Any campus that he wants, any church that he wants, he's he's fine. He's met with no protests. He's met with no opposition. And that's great. I think people, regardless of what views you have, I don't care if you're extremely far left. I don't care if you're extremely far right. I don't care if you sit in the center. You should be able to go and speak. You should be able to go and share your views without being met uh, with, with violent opposition or people who are trying to cancel your your events and shut you down as we've experienced so often on the conservative side of things. Now, here's a story of a man by the name of Robert P. George, who uh, is, is talking about somebody getting canceled and, and for not even trying to come and speak their political opinion just by trying to come and talk on a campus for something else. So let's read this thread. 
Dorian Abbott is a geophysicist at the University of Chicago. He was to give MIT's prestigious Carlson Lecture on October 21st. The topic was to be the climates of extrasolar planets. The climates of extrasolar planets. That was the topic. Shamefully, MIT canceled the lecture under pressure from activists who objected his political views. Now, I know what you're thinking. Political views? He came to MIT to talk about the climate of extrasolar planets, something that we all want to know about. (laughs) (laughs) Something that we all really, really want to know about. But no, Dorian Abbott was canceled, and, and here's why. Those who pressured MIT to cancel Dr. Abbott's lecture oppose his views on diversity, equity, and inclusion. As you can see, these have nothing to do with the topics of the Carlson lecture. The activists cancel anyone who dissents from their dogmas. Because we really need to make sure that before you say anything about outer space, yeah, we need to know your views on diversity and make sure that that is in alignment. Yeah. Because that really affects your qualification as a scientist to speak on matters of your research. I know. I mean, next thing you know, he's going to be really discriminatory towards Pluto, start calling it a dwarf planet, questioning, you know, <laughs> its validity and all this stuff. So who knows? Who knows what Dorian Abbott might say about diversity, inclusion and equity when it comes to the climate of extrasolar planets? It's it. And this this is kind of a crazy example, but th- this is another, again we 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 point to these moments as and these these individual stories as evidence of a lar- larger cultural trends and I was just talking to a friend this past weekend who is applying for a bunch of jobs right now and has been through a ton of, of interviews recently and he's a super qualified guy he works in the tech world and has worked for successfully for a ton of different companies and and has over a decade of experience in, in his field of uh, user experience design um, but anyway so he's gotten all into the late rounds of all these interviews and there have been multiple jobs that have been taken off of the table because he wasn't willing to pay lip service to their diversity mm-hmm. standards. And they asked him in the interview process about, you know, what's your view on diversity? What's your, and he's and he's like, you know, well, I, it's like he says, I, I think you know having a lot of different perspectives is helpful and like you know all that. But ultimately, it's basically, it, I don't care. It's a, I don't right. care what people's color are. I care that you, how qualified you are. And I've worked with people of all different kinds. I have no problem with anybody. But uh, what I care about is getting the job done in the best way possible. Right. And anyways, and but that is a bigoted response. And he lost job opportunities Gosh. because and they they just shut the door. And I mean, never heard it back. Anytime he has to to fulfill these diversity um, expectations and 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 pay lip service to this ideology. And you need everybody listening needs to recognize how dangerous this is. There's no. There's no good world. There's no utopia where your personal views start to influence and alienate you from the professional world. That is not smart at all. And think about this in different terms. I know a lot of people say, well, if he's not pro-diversity and pro-inclusion and pro-affinity groups and pro-CRT, then why would we want to hear what he has to say about the climate of extrasolar planets? I can't get over it. Uh, But those two things are not correlated whatsoever. That's like me going to give a a speech in, in Texas about being pro gun and then they ask me what my opinion is on the color brown and I go I don't like the color brown and they say well you can't speak on 2A anymore because you don't like the color brown it's absolutely ridiculous it has no influence on his beliefs as a geophysicist which I would assume would be mostly objective considering it's a science now Robert P. George writes it is impossible to exaggerate how disgraceful MIT's capitulation to a mob's demands to cancel Dr. Dorian Abbott's lecture is he was qualified on the basis of his achievements as a geophysical scientist to give the Carlson lecture was never questioned nor could it be 
I mean, this this is why um, academia is regressing, why the sciences are regressing, why uh, we're we're seeing. I mean, the implosion yeah. uh, of this is how a, a society is has a downfall. You want it to be to where the the most qualified people um, rise to the top, and so that you can have the best ideas and the smartest people um, win. And but creating these arbitrary uh, fences around who's allowed to speak and who's allowed whose research we're allowed to look at mm-hmm. and all this type of stuff. All that's going to do is slow us down and make us less competitive on the global stage. And like, look, China's not. Well, I'm not worried about this type of stuff. You know, the Chinese universities, they're not, they're not making, I mean, they're making them pass like, are you allegiance to the party and stuff? But I'm just saying like, they're not, they're not stumbling over these diversity categories and all this dumb ideology before you're allowed to uh, publish your research or speak at a university or anything like that. And by doing that, we're, we're limiting the number of people to a small pool of ideologues to be our preeminent scientists who are allowed to speak. Um, We're limiting the we're limiting it to the number of people who are willing to pay lip service and who and those people are going to be people who um, don't have a spine and who are ideologically motivated and they're not going to be the best of the best. And so all of our society is going to suffer because we're creating these fences around who's allowed to speak on the basis of these stupid arbitrary diversity quotas and being willing to pay lip service to them. Right. Imagine if they had done this to somebody, I don't know, who was gay. Imagine if they said, you can't come and give a speech on politics because you're gay. Or you can't come and give a speech on computer science because you're gay. And because how you lead your personal life and your personal beliefs affect the way that I feel about your speech on computer science. It makes no sense and it is totally wrong. And it's weird that people have a more visceral reaction when we when we look at it through those other lenses than they do when it comes to somebody happening to be not even a self-proclaimed conservative, but happening to have a dissident opinion when it comes to diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion. And it's so funny that they they cut out somebody and exclude him because of his views on inclusion and diversity. Such diversity, such inclusion. The hypocrisy is just so blatant, so blatant. So I don't know what's going to happen to this Dorian Abbott man. He is, like I said, a geophysicist at University of Chicago, but it speaks to the credibility of MIT. Why should I trust any degree that comes out of your college? Why? Why? There's no validity to it anymore. There's no credibility to it anymore because you don't allow actual people who are tenured in their position to come and teach your students. You grab people who are ideologically possessed, maybe are not even the best experts in their field, but because they are ideologically possessed, you have them speak to your students. What validity is a degree from MIT now? What validity is a degree from Harvard with the way that they treat their students? What validity is a degree from anywhere with how political our our universities are getting? It's sad, and it doesn't. It didn't have to be this way, but um, here we are. Yep, yep. We got a, a super chat here from Sabatutin who says, "Then they'll be burning people alive for think." Oh wait, I think I've heard this one before. Yeah, you know, a lot of people hear these stories, and of course, it's upsetting. But they're not thinking about what what happens in the long term. If you allow people to. Uh, mark others with a certain ideology or a certain belief as evil. What do you think is going to happen later? Because if if we're if our goal, if the leftist goal, if the Marxist goal, if the socialist goal is to create a utopia, I th- I don't think a utopia has people that disagree with you in it. I don't think a utopia has people that offend you in it. I don't think a utopia has people that discriminate towards you perceived discriminate towards you in it. So what do you think is the next step? Once you've labeled us all as evil human beings. <laughs> yeah. They, 
We've seen it again, time and time again, as Amal likes to say, throughout, yes. throughout history. Um, in order to usher in their utopia, what do Marxist or Stalinist regimes do? They uh, silence, not only silence dissenters, but stamp them out. And um, right, this is the this is the precursor version of that yep. by saying if you aren't willing to subscribe to the, the toe the party line, it's, right now, except it's not a quote party with a capital P necessarily, mm-hmm. but it is a mainstream narrative. If you don't march to the beat of our drum, if you don't uh, affirm the right things, then you're not allowed to participate anymore. Buy right. off to the to virtual gulag with you. Very scary, very scary, and it's something that we need to fight against. So go and support Dorian Abbott in this, and go call out MIT because he didn't deserve it, and they should not run their campus this way. It's I, not right. I think as a development to this story that mm-hmm. Robbie George got the um, the scientist to speak at Princeton instead. He's he's a tenured mm. professor at Princeton, and he uses influence to get him there. So, but still, I mean, MIT still, rejected right. him on the basis of this diversity stuff. So that's the the core problem, and it's not been solved. One more super chat before we get into our TikTok of today. This is from that one guy. He says, you're free to think what you want as long as it doesn't affect me. Uh, that's how we've gotten to this point. They continue thinking they are right because the sane are not pointing out the insanity. That is very, very true. There's so many of us. There's so many of you out there that agree with me and Taylor and Scott and Will and everybody here at PragerU that simply don't say it or just lurk in the shadows watching our content instead of speaking out against the insanity. And I I have to think that if we all stood up and spoke out against all the insanity that's happening right now, a lot of things would get better. Or at the very least, people would feel pressure to sort of challenge their ideology and back away from it. Yeah, a question I like to ask myself is, if everyone in America um, took, was as outspoken as me with regard to the issues of the day, Mm -hmm. where would we be? Five years from now, you know, yeah. like if everyone acted the same way as me in terms of if everyone was as courageous as me, if everyone was as, as outspoken as me, as everyone was as willing to fight back as me, where will we be in five years? And you, and I think you, you said it the other day, like, don't assume that someone else will see the issues that you see in mm-hmm. your life at your schools or your children's schools um, or wherever you are at your workplace. Don't assume that anyone else is going to do the speaking out. It's got to be you. And you don't want to be wake up five years from now and be living with less rights than you've ever had and less freedom and being forced to um, lie and say things that you don't believe and live uh, live uh, your life as a lie. You don't want to wake up five years from now and be there or or be want, be finally willing to speak out because like you say like the uh the the gula or the the regime comes and kicks you in the nuts right <laughs> um, exactly you don't want to wait until that point to say something and so yeah I, we're already at a point where it is it is very scary what's going on right now and it is time to speak up we get so many messages from from you guys that watch the show and other supporters who will send us things that are happening at their work at their kids school at uh in their local communities at their church where these these ideologues are coming and changing everything up and sort of pulling the rug out from underneath people. And they say, well, talk about this on your show. Can you can you highlight this? Can you highlight this? Can you highlight this? And we do that for people that we can do it for. And we do that for stories that we can do it for. But we can't do it for everybody. And a lot of people will send me things and say, well, I can't speak about this, but would you speak about it? But it's happening in your community. It's happening to your children. It's happening to your peers. It's happening to your family. You should speak up against it. Because if you don't, it's going to continue. 
continue. I'm over here in California trying to hold it down here for not only PragerU, but just like Los Angeles in general and, and just giving a general sense of what's happening in the world. You have to hold it down in your own communities or they are going to be exactly like Los Angeles. Do you want that, guys? No. Or, I mean, just look at Australia as a great example. Yes. Not enough people apparently did speak up or too many people were brainwashed in thinking that, oh, my get my, my liberty is not that important. I mean, it's for the public good. It's for, for the greater good. I can sacrifice my liberty. And, and now they have apps where you have if you get buzzed or whatever, you have to send a picture to the, the state of where you are right. at that time or else the Gestapo is going to come and, and make you to go back to your house. So, you know, do you want that? Do you want to be tackled in the street and maced in the face for going to a, a protest where you so you can go live your life? I would uh, venture to say no. Yeah. So uh, speak up now, lest that happens. Speak up now. Now we get into TikTok Tuesday. This is the last segment of the day. Uh, this was just an interesting one that Taylor specifically had some interesting commentary on. This one's titled Closing at Duncan. Closing at Duncan. That she um, took off her mask for a second to take a bite. Right. She could have put someone else in danger. Who knows how many grandmas died from her lowering that mask for one second to take a bite of that donut. That's very irresponsible. (laughs) Uh, But look at the tweet. Look at the caption of this tweet because this was tweeted by uh, some leftist person on on Twitter and they said, here's how capitalism handles excess Food. So now I'm not even going to give my commentary on this, Taylor. I want you to go for it because you went on a rant about this, about this TikTok <laughs> and well, this caption in particular. I mean, this is just like it's uh, it's almost a posting your L's type of tweet unwittingly. Mm-hmm. It's a big self own because, right. uh, yes, capitalism has excess food. Socialism has no excess food communism has no food. <laughs> so so uh, the fact that there is excess food to uh, discard at the end of a day is in a capitalist system right. is actually a statement of its success um, that there is there is an abundance and just like there's an abundance of food there's an abundance of wealth and it's raised the standard of living in the western world um, and of the entire globe uh, if you look at the, the Twitter account Human Progress they're exciting things all the time uh, Stephen Picker's book Enlightenment Now life is so much better right. globally the poverty rates death rates and mortal- infant mortality all this stuff um, uh, the, the age that people live to uh, all these the, by so many metrics life has improved in the last couple hundred years and because of capitalism yeah and so because of freedom because of uh, industry and because entrepreneurs are rewarded for taking risk and building things and if your solution if, if you're using this as evidence to say that we should not have free societies and free ca- free economies or for where people can start businesses and, and create um, 
create profit and, and uh, trade and, and grow the economy. Um, and we need to centralize everything and have the government distribute it. If this mm-hmm. is your argument for it, that there's too much food, right. that's your best argument against capitalism, that there's too much food? Exactly. Are you kidding me? And nowhere in any capitalist free market guidelines does it say that you need to throw excess food into the trash. Dunkin' Donuts could have very well given that to a shelter. They could have given that out to the community. They chose not to. That's by no means a capitalist free market standard. Absolutely yeah, not. This is not to say that I, I enjoy watching the food be thrown away. I mean, no. if there's a way to get it to, I mean, and we, you know, we work, we work with the Dream Center here in yeah. LA and they receive food donations all the time from excess food from, from uh, grocery stores and other things that they prepare and feed to homeless people every day. So it does happen when there's excess to be given away. And yeah, let's let, let this should be a rallying cry to be like, hey, think of how many more people we can feed for free with this excess food. So let's, right. let's find solutions to get the surplus of capitalism to more people. Yes. That should be the, the, what we worry about with this. Not, oh, let's dismantle capitalism so we can have no food to share. And I love how people just share their own propaganda. I went through some of the responses on this thread and, and somebody put, uh, so of course the, the main caption was how capitalism handles excess food. Somebody responded how socialism hand, handles excess food. And these are the pictures that they put. Amazing. Amazing. That is how, that's how socialism handles excess food. Can you point to me a socialist country that is, is feeding its citizens well and making sure everybody is fed and alive and well? Give yeah, me. we watched that uh, TikTok from Cuba, right. um, that Cuban girl who was talking about going to the grocery store in Cuba, like half of the shelves are empty and then right. it's like an exorbitant amount of money to get like a pound of meat or whatever. And like, is that is that what you want? That's the solution? That's better yeah. than this? Yeah, they walk into a grocery store, they have one brand of, of each type of food, they have limited resources, they can't get cake, they can't get eggs, a lot of times they can't get milk, <laughs> and then they grab whatever they can buy uh, with, with the money that the government has chosen to give to them, and then they sit in line for an hour and a half just to simply buy their groceries and get them home. Yep, that's how, that's how socialism handles food. Yeah. Kick rocks. That's all I got to say. <laughs> We're bringing sand. it back. Go pound some sand, kid. <laughs> what are, what's their name? Show me the, their handle. What was handle. the name? Hit, let's, let's go up. I have no idea. Is, N- is Trebek? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, go pound sand, go, NKVD. Go, go kick, kick rocks. some rocks. Go, go read some. We should have a new segment called Kick Rocks and just find <laughs> a bunch of like bad takes from leftists. We really should. Just tell them to kick rocks. Some cat trout gave us a super chat. He said, I thought they threw out the food because they would be liable if someone got sick. No, that's not necessarily why. I mean, it's at the end of the day. They know that the donuts were still good. Like if a customer walked in before they closed and said, can I get a donut? They would give them those very same donuts. I'm sure there's some sort of policy or FDA thing regarding it. uh, But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty sure those donuts could be put to good use. But again, it's not a capitalist standard to throw away excess food. Do you uh, like donuts, Amala? No. No? No. What's your uh, treat of choice? Ooh, I, can't, I do like... Are you like, not a sweet tooth? Uh, not really. I'm not ever like, oh, I want I want cake right now or something like that. I'll do like sour gummy worms or oh, yeah. like boba, something. Oh, boba's disgusting. You have, have you even had boba? Actually, I had it <laughs> once and I didn't like the texture. Okay. And, but I also well, just feel very once. non-masculine anytime. Like I'm... 
When do you ever hear like a masculine man be like, let's go get boba? Like, <laughs> well, just, when you say it like that, I've never heard a masculine man let's say Let's go like, get boba. <laughs> like no one, no masculine. I don't know. Scott, what do you think? Is it masculine to have boba tea? Oh, is this my I've never had it. Uh, those straws are enormous. Uh, and yeah, I would I would get the same feeling. I mean, honestly, never, great straws. I'm a huge fan of plastic straws <gasps> and they have nice, big, thick plastic straws. So I, I'll give the street cred to boba for that. Okay. Um, what is your go-to treat of choice? Is it like ice cream or something? Um, yeah, I like chocolate peanut butter ice cream. I like, you know, Trader Joe's has dark chocolate um, peanut butter cups. Oh, gross. Those are really good. Gross. I like tiramisu. Um, I don't know. I like all what kinds a, of What stuff. a cultured palate. What an adult palate. Those I'm are like such seasonal. adult Trader answers. Trader Joe's has these like pumpkin chocolate chip cookie mix, and I made those. I like watching baking shows. I'm not very good at actually baking, but I like watching the shows. And uh, anyways, I made some pumpkin chocolate chip cookies and they were great. Scott, some people are upset in the chat that you've been in Will's chair this whole time and you have <laughs> not spoken. So say something important. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm a sucker for Sour Patch Kids. Get those See, things away from me or they're going to That's my to movie disappear. candy. Scott knows what's up. Yeah. Sour candy. And so does Taylor. Wow, Taylor, you shocked me. Well, I'm full of surprises. You led with dark chocolate peanut butter cups. You ended with Sour Patch Kids. I like a little bit. My hot take though on dessert is like it's not it's okay. Here's my two hot takes on on food. Okay. If there's no meat, it's not a meal, and if there's no chocolate, it's not a dessert. Oh, first of all, okay. The first one. Wait, how do you feel, Scott? You have to. You're more expressive. I have to hear that again. If there's no meat, it's not a meal. Let's let's break down number one. If there's no meat, it's not a meal. You can't Uh, have a meal with no meat. I mean, unless you have like eggs or something. But uh, I'll count that as you need a you, like high your, protein. Your a meal is protein dominant, and if you don't have a main uh, that is protein dominant, people are commenting that they're vegetarian meal. and you're offending them. So, well, <laughs> look, I, that's a lifestyle choice. I am not going to denigrate, but well, now I'm trying to think of a meal that doesn't have meat that is a meal because I want to prove you wrong. I mean, you can you can eat carbs and vegetables yeah, or whatever, yeah. as you're, but like it's not satisfying. You need okay. meat. We're still counting fish as meat, though, right? Yeah, sure. The form? Okay. Okay. Well, okay, I stand by that. It's not a dessert without chocolate. Wrong. Negative, Ghost Rider. Wrong. Strawberry I, shortcake. Fruit, fruity desserts are like, they're, they're, it's, it's, not, it's not satisfying. What about just Rich vanilla cake? Rich chocolate with some like espresso or something. That is like a satisfying dessert experience. Okay, but what, if, like, what about like coconut cream pie or like vanilla cake that has no chocolate on it and also doesn't have fruit? I'm not saying that they're, they don't exist. <laughs> I'm just saying it's not dessert. I like he's, it's not he's a like, real dessert. I'm not saying the chocolate. meals don't exist. I'm just saying it's not a real meal. He's like, I'm not saying the desserts don't exist. I'm just saying they're this not real. This is my real. truth, Amala. You must affirm it. <laughs> I, I will call you by your preferred pronouns, Taylor, any day of the week. <laughs> any day of the week. You just let me know what they are. Meat, chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> any other hot uh, takes for us today i don't have any dessert hot takes. i don't know this really. is kind of an inadvertent oh. hot takes we got to the end of our stuff and had a couple extra minutes so yes this is, we're we just throwing this in for free here's a hot take i don't think fruit has any place on dessert okay well you wait a second you just said strawberry shortcake as a to contradict just because my, i'm just saying like as a take. general thing i wouldn't eat it but it's general <laughs> it's generally accepted as a dessert <laughs> i wouldn't eat it but I, this was my correct crutch on your argument <laughs> yeah exactly oh, man. exactly i don't think fruit you're not gonna get pushback from me about fruit and desserts okay like, good what about Maybe. you, Scott? I think fruit has no, especially hot fruit. We talked about this, but I want to re, re, restate your opinion. Yeah. So I, I would agree with you. Yeah. Fruit is not very good when it's warm. In, it's in disgusting. My opinion, but I don't know. I've, I've had some very good blueberry tarts in my life, and 
they've grown on me and I, I can I can eat them but like you yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily go seek them out somebody by the name of Betty White just commented this is why the left is winning <laughs> you know if this this is the hill I will die on I love Betty White so uh, I know you're not the real Betty White but because your username is Betty White I do like you and you know what you can call us out and say this is why the left is winning but we have to have fun sometimes uh we just inundated you with very sad uh, Scott, do you have any uh, stories? Gastronomic <laughs> hot takes. Gastronomic hot Gastronomic takes on hot what 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 pairs well together. Yeah. I don't. I, yeah, I really, I really don't have anything off the top. All of desserts head. should be gluten free. <laughs> yes. yes. All food I should stand. be gluten free. Restaurants should be required to have gluten free options. Gluten-free should be illegal only. not to have it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Scott actually has an excuse for that. I know. He's not the, your That's general LA him. LA fad <laughs> diet. Uh, individual. All right, all right, my hot take is uh, black licorice is actually pretty solid. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well, we're, we Taylor and I have both died, so uh, I don't know what else to say about that. Uh, I cannot believe those words just came out of your mouth, Scott. I think you are no longer hot, Scott. I think we need to change your name <laughs> to something else. His name is now not Scott. Not, not Scott. <laughs> Bitter licorice. Scott. His name is now Scott. Not. Because he's just uttered those words. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not a black licorice fan at all. Good and plenty's. What is that? The candy. It's like black licorice with like a. They're the purple sugar and white coating looking Mike and Ikes. Yeah. And they do mm. not taste like Mike and Ikes. They're disgusting. Yeah. Good and plenty. More like. Couldn't think of a. Bad thing. and. Plenty. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Anyways, guys, I think, our brains are empty now. Yeah, no, it's been a long day. I think that joke is where we we end the show because it was just it's untoppable. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live. Two thirty PST, five thirty Eastern. If you'd like to listen rather than watch, you can go to Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Leave us a five star review so that everybody knows that you love the show and that we know that you love the show. If you'd like to get a text for when we go live, text live two four one seven seven six. That is live two four one seven seven six. We will be back tomorrow will we'll be on the show in some capacity possibly that is always who's to say who's to say who's to say it's always a possibility thank you guys for watching we will see you tomorrow at 2 30 bye-bye